everybody. Welcome to episode 220 of the DFS Dose podcast, your fix of daily fantasy sports information, strategy, and analysis. I'm your host, Ben Hover, joined as I always am by Joey Carrion. And on today's show, we are going to delve into a handful of players, guys you could classify as bounce backs and you know, they all have relatively high ADPs. These are bounce backs that everyone is buying. And I got to admit, I'm a little bit skeptical on some of them. So we're going to pick apart these players and figure out whether or not we are on the same page as the general public in believing they will bounce back in 2022. Before we do, Joey, earlier this week, uh, we, we went and did an escape room, both of us for the first time. Let's give the listeners about three seconds of silence to guess whether or not we made it out of the room. And we did not. Uh, I think that was probably the most popular vote there. And I don't know, man. Do you think that it was just too hard or are are we dumb? Like, what happened with the escape room? Well, I think definitely a combination of both. <laughs> it was it was a pretty difficult room. It was their hardest room. Mm-hmm. And definitely the lack of intelligence and uh, creativity definitely played a part in, in trying to solve some of the riddles, um, especially from a couple people there. You know, I won't name names, but one of them's on this podcast. One of them isn't. So, yeah, just a just a tough scene. We didn't get out. Uh, we were like three or four steps away from getting out, so we were kind of close, but not really. And, yeah, an escape room is challenging, and it shows you who can think outside of the box and who can't. And- that shit just made me realize that if I were ever in, like, a Saw-type situation where I'm trapped, I'm I'm not making it out. Yeah, it, I mean, you're chopped. You're chopped. Yeah. You couldn't even look at the colors uh, on the thing to, to give me one of the codes. Yeah. I'm colorblind, bro. It's a team building activity. You should know things like that about your teammates. <laughs> Chopped. Uh, see, but the but the thing is, is like you're not colorblind to the to the point where you can't see any colors. Like, bro, you know what? How you gonna tell me? How you gonna tell me? Looks like you know what red looks like. Come on, bro. Bro. Every color isn't the same. Unless you see black and white. Are you a dog? I got the heart of a dog. <laughs> nah, you're just, you're just chopped. You're just chopped. Um, I, I don't think you solved one riddle. I, I absolutely Ryan... solved a riddle. A riddle. I, I got data. <laughs> yeah, and it took you about 15 minutes to figure out which one that went to. Hell yeah. Uh, what a fun time. We'll probably go again. And hopefully we can get out in the next one that we do. I have a feeling that we won't, but I'm definitely <laughs> down to try. Let's uh, let's look at some of these guys, though. You know, players that are getting drafted by the community, bounce back players. And the first and, and most obvious one, I think, is Christian McCaffrey. He's, you know, undeniably being taken as a top three player in every single draft. Everybody is fully on board with the CMC bounce back. And I mean, it, it's pretty simple to me. It's like either... Christian McCaffrey is healthy or he's not. And if he's healthy, should he not be the 101? Should he not be the first overall player drafted in fantasy over Jonathan Taylor if we're buying the bounce back? I I don't know. How do you feel about it? You could definitely make a case for CMC to be first overall. Obviously, when he's healthy, he's just a different breed of fantasy player, right? 
He averages like 25 plus PPR points per game, and he has some of the best usage in the NFL, especially for fantasy football. So we all know that he's great when he's healthy, and that's obviously been the concern over the last two years is his lack of ability to stay healthy. Obviously, we both kind of agree that, you know, injuries are fluky and will buy players coming off injuries, especially if the consensus is down on said player. But Christian McCaffrey every year is a top two, top three player. So it's, I mean, I'll I'll still draft him because I do believe injuries are are a little bit fluky and I think that they will make kind of a concerted effort to make sure he's good to go for the entire year maybe decrease his rushing volume a little bit but he'll still have the passing volume but right now I guess it would be hard to put him above JT and Cup just because of the seasons that they had last year and you know everybody drafts based off what happened last year instead of predicting for the future so I think consensus wise it is probably right but you could definitely make a case that CMC should be the 101. For me like I I don't know if I want to buy that. I just can't see this team looking at the past two seasons and looking at Christian McCaffrey and thinking that they don't need to change something. Like they don't need to scale his workload back. I talked about it on a recent stream that my prediction is that, you know, we hear these mounting rumors about Baker Mayfield getting traded to the Panthers. And I think it makes all the sense in the world that Kareem Hunt is going to be part of that package. And I, I just see them trying to do something to, like you said, keep McCaffrey healthy for the entire season. In terms of being a large volume best ball player I I will be taking McCaffrey because you have to take him in the top three picks he's never going to fall deeper so if you want exposure to him you have to take him when you're you know granted either the second or third pick just for the sake of having exposure but like if I were doing one draft I don't think I would have McCaffrey ranked third like if this was my one and only draft I'm probably passing on him for somebody like Chase or Jefferson or Eckler even I, I just think that the range of outcomes is wider than it's ever been for McCaffrey and I'm not, I'm not sure how many times players have two really injury riddled seasons and then come back in year three and are and are good to go and back to their old glory days. I just don't know if that happens that often. Yeah, I mean, probably doesn't happen that often, but when he is healthy and when he does play, he's shown that he's putting up like 28 to 30 points a game. No matter the team situation, no matter the quarterback situation, the only concern really is health. And obviously he's healthy right now. Like, he's good to go if the season started, he's playing, right? I do agree that they'll probably limit his workload a little bit, but they'll still use him in the passing game quite often, and he's still going to be the red zone guy. He's still going to be the goal line running back. So his role is just very valuable, and I think he's worthy of a top three pick. Um, I, I don't really believe in the term injury prone, to be honest, just because there's definitely a lot of context surrounding some of these injuries at the running back position, but definitely plays a factor, but I'm not counting on him to to get hurt when I'm drafting on when I'm drafting him. So well, let's talk about another player similar to Christian McCaffrey, where we know that the upside is there, but we haven't seen it in about two years. That's Saquon Barkley. You know, people again seem to be buying the narrative that, you know, this is Saquon's year to return. He's being drafted at the top of the third round in almost every draft on underdog. We know that the theoretical pass catching upside is there for Saquon Barkley. You and I have talked at length over the past couple of episodes, you know, regarding different players, Kadarius Tony, Kenny Galladay, Daniel Jones, etc., that we are in on the bounce back for the Giants offense in large part to Brian Dable. But I, I almost think that those two things contradict each other if 
we're talking about Saquon Barkley's success because if we think that what Brian Dable is bringing to this Giants offense is going to be similar to what he did in Buffalo, well, Buffalo is a team that barely targets their running back. Over the last two seasons, with Brian Dable calling plays in Buffalo, running backs have been targeted the eighth least and seventh least in the NFL, you know, over the past two seasons. So I just don't know if the volume is going to be there for Barkley. And then again, I don't know if I can trust a player who hasn't been productive in two years on an overall, you know, struggling offense. Are you in on the Saquon Barkley one? For me, he's a player that I have almost no exposure to through about 200 drafts this offseason. I mean, if there is a year to buy Saquon, it is this year. You know, he's a couple years removed from his ACL injury now, so he should be good to go in the health department. Obviously, we've seen the high ceiling and high floor at times with Saquon in his career, and he does have the ability to be a factor out of the backfield and I think that's really just the main difference is, you know, Saquon is just worlds better than Devin Singletary or whoever else they were trotting out there, you know, Matt Breda or Zach Moss, right? Like you're you're not making it you're not making it a point of your offense to get those guys the ball in the passing game. Especially when you have Diggs and Cole Beasley and Sanders and Gabe Davis and Dawson Knox. And then you have Josh Allen rushing the football as well. So Saquon is just worlds better. So I'm not comparing that to the Bills running back situation in terms of targets. We know that Saquon is a very good pass catcher. His ADP is running back 12, which I think is, I I think he's priced appropriately. So it's not like I'll be fading him or buying him at that cost. I have a couple shares of Saquon across the drafts that I've done so far. And yeah, I, I think he's, I think he's due for a bounce back here and I've talked about it a bunch but I'm just in on this giant Giants offense and I think this is the year to be higher on the Giants skill position players than not because it's their best situation in the last you know five six years but you think that Dable's gonna you know curtail his offense to to Barkley I mean it, you don't have to fo- he the offense doesn't have to be centered around Barkley for Barkley to eat. It doesn't, but I mean, we've never seen a Bills running back at any point in Dable's tenure really be like a, a true yeah, because, workhorse, except for I maybe mean, in I, the final end of your stretch with yeah, Singletary. I, but Saquon is so much better. Saquon is going to be the workhorse. They let Devin Booker or Devin Booker. They let Devontae Booker walk in free agency. Don't think they replaced him yet. So it's just Saquon in that backfield as a workhorse. And, you know, you utilize probably the best skill position player on your team. And that's Saquon Barkley. I guess we'll see. I just I just don't see if like they're going to do that. Then how also are all these pass catchers that we think are going to you know be successful because that's what Brian Dable did before. It's like he's not going to be able to do that and this. At the same time, I mean, I there, there's, unless the Giants are going to be a top ten NFL offense all of a sudden, there, there's enough volume there for everybody. Like, because there's really only Kenny and Kadarius Tony there in terms of pass catchers, at least to start the season until Sterling Shepard returns, and then you have Saquon, Ricky Seals Jones is the tight end one. You know, he's not much of a factor. Then you got Darius Slayton and Wandale Robinson as kind of you know the the backup wide receivers. Are, are those guys really going to be factors? You know, early in the year, probably not. I think there's really three main guys on this offense that are going to be the focal point at least to start the year, and that's Kenny Kadarius and 
Saquon, and I think there should be enough volume and an increase in offensive efficiency for those guys to get there. All right, let's move on to a pair of potential bounce-back wide receivers, starting off with Juju Smith-Schuster, who signed a deal with the Kansas City Chiefs in the offseason, his first time being away from the Steelers. Juju has been on a downswing for multiple years in a row, and in fact, his yards per route run has declined Every single season that he's been in the league from 2.17 to 2.08, 1.49, 1.29, all the way down to under a yard per route run last season. I think a lot of this could be contributed to the rapid decline of Ben Roethlisberger. That's obviously a factor here. Juju Smith-Schuster is just a rare case. He's a player that we saw absolutely explode early in his career. He was a top five wide receiver in fantasy his sophomore season, 2018, had 111 receptions, almost 1,500 yards, and has been just pretty bad ever ever since. But I mean, this is a player who is still young. He's 25 years old. His sophomore season, like I referenced his breakout year, he had eight 100-yard games throughout the course of 16 games. That's just a player with a lot of upside now entering the best situation in his career with, you know, the potential potential to absorb some of the target share gone at, that that's left with Tyreek Hill. Um, I don't know. I, I think that he's one of many new faces in Kansas City, and we don't know how this target share is going to shake out, but I think the situation and the potential opportunity is good enough that with Juju Smith-Schuster, I'm willing to buy in. Yeah, I think he's a pretty solid buy right now in best ball. He's the wide receiver 29 according to underdog fantasy ADP. Uh, So, you know, a back end wide receiver three. And I definitely think he has the upside to finish, you know, as a wide receiver two in fantasy right now. I would say he's probably the second option in the offense behind Kelsey in the passing game. But there is a lot of uh, new mouths to feed there, right? They drafted Sky Moore. They signed MVS. Uh, They signed Justin Ross as an undrafted free agent. We talked about him a couple podcasts ago where, you know, he was a first-round talent at one point when he was at Clemson. They still have McCole Hardman, Josh Gordon, etc. Maybe those guys aren't factors, but there's still plenty of competition for targets, so it's going to be interesting to see how this depth chart shakes out, but I think Juju is the clear number one in terms of wide receivers on the offense, and like you said, best situation of his entire career so far and all it comes down to is you want players in this offense attached to you know a top two quarterback in the league and Patrick Mahomes so I think we're both going to be higher on Juju than consensus this year and I think that's the right way to go about it especially when you look at the competition like is Hardman and MVS and some of these other guys really going are they really going to have like huge roles on this team probably not no and, and it's like people have sort of pigeonholed Juju Smith-Schuster into this like low a dot you know Jarvis Landry-esque wide receiver and he's shown in the past that he's not strictly that guy I mean rookie season season 15.8 yards per reception 2018 12.8 2019 13.1 and then he was 8.6 for both of the last two years it's like yeah like Ben Roethlisberger couldn't throw the ball 10 yards down the field like that's obviously not going to be the case here hopefully the Chiefs find a way to utilize some of the explosiveness that Juju showed early in his career and yeah like MVS and and Nicole Hardman I mean frankly are disappointments in the NFL up to this point so I, I just don't see any of these guys having the same upside as Juju. I believe he deserves to be drafted well ahead of them, and and he is. I mean, MVS and McCole Hardman, I think, are going to 
kind of split that Tyreek Hill role. Uh, that's what they drafted McCall Harmon for when they thought Tyreek was going to get suspended. And then MVS is, you know, kind of that tall, you know, explosive, fast wide receiver that can stretch the field. And then I think Juju will be kind of like that Byron Pringle, Demarcus Robinson type, but obviously he's way better where he's just going to work the middle of the field and use the spacing created in the Chiefs offense by those deep threats by Travis Kelsey. And he, he, should, he should have a very good season if he stays healthy, which... You know, that's also been kind of a concern with Juju over the last couple of seasons is he hasn't been healthy quite a bit, and obviously that's hindered his production. But if he stays healthy, he's he's going to have a bounce back year. Plus him and Jackson Mahomes being together in the same city is like having two Infinity Stones, so. <laughs> I mean, is it though? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe not. Probably not. <laughs> All right. Probably not. Um, let's go on to our final player to discuss today. And this is one that I'm a little bit conflicted on. I could see it going either way. It's Allen Robinson, who is currently going as the wide receiver 22 on underdog. His ADP is 47. Uh, I could definitely see that rising. I mean, just anecdotally from the drafts that I've been in lately, he's going more towards the top of the fourth round. I wouldn't be surprised at all if he was a topic of conversation on one of our upcoming ADP market report episodes. People seem to be really buying Allen Robinson as the clear-cut wide receiver too in LA. You know, the story with Allen Robinson has always been his attachment to terrible quarterback play. He obviously had the monster season early in his career and then has had a couple decent seasons during his time in Chicago, but it's been mixed in with some poor seasons in between. There's obviously room for a wide receiver outside of Cooper Cup to emerge here. You know, Van Jefferson got a ton of playing time last year. He was okay with it, but not, you know, great by any stretch. They definitely missed having Robert Woods. They were able to make some of that up with Odell Beckham late in the season, but it took him a little while to get acclimated. It should be good for this offense to have a really solid wide receiver too in Allen Robinson from the beginning of the year, hopefully to the end of the year. But I just I just don't know if his struggles are entirely quarterback based. Is he still the talent that we believed him to be early in his career? Or, or not, because last year, you know, he was legitimately one of the worst wide receivers in the league, and he still had what should have been potential volume, but got outproduced, you know, on a weekly basis by Darnell Mooney. So so how are yeah. you feeling, uh, viewing Allen Robinson, and can you, you know, justify paying for him at his current price tag, which is rising to the top of the fourth round? Yeah, I mean, obviously, that's... It's getting a little expensive, and he's, what, the wide receiver 22, so a back-end wide receiver 2 at this point, but I definitely think he has an upside to finish as a wide receiver 1. I really do attribute terrible offensive schemes and, and terrible quarterback play for Allen Robinson's kind of mediocre, or not mediocre, terrible 2021, because it's like, how do you go from 102 quite? 102 catches, 1,250 yards, six touchdowns in 2020 when, you know, you're 26 years old and then go to 38 catches, 410 yards and one touchdown at 27 years old. Like he's still in his prime at, at that age, right? There, there's no age cliff. Mm-mm. With Allen Robinson, I think he was just mentally checked out, to be honest. We talk about fantasy and, and players and whatnot, but, like, they're still human, right? And they and they still go through things and, and shit. And honestly, I think he was just sick of being in Chicago. Right. He's sick of playing for Matt Nagy. And he's just like, fuck it. I'm mailing it in. I'm still getting paid. I don't give a fuck. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe that's just not talked about enough. 
maybe we just don't want to think like a professional player like like he shouldn't do that right like he's still making millions of dollars but like these dudes are still human too and if if you're in a situation that you don't want to be in like you're not gonna try right you're not gonna try to make things better like because your mind is just so focused on getting out of the situation that you're in so I think it was just more mental with Allen Robinson than physical because I still think the physical talent is there and now obviously he's in his best situation of his career so I'm kind of willing to throw away last year for a Rob and just focus on projecting for the future he's the wide receiver too on one of the best teams in the NFL with one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL and there's a lot of opportunity you know they let Woods go which is huge I think Van Jefferson obviously kind of an average wide receiver in the NFL Odell isn't there anymore so it's really just cup a Rob and then a bunch of role players in terms of pass catchers and shit even today uh there was an article put out by Cameron De Silva of Rams Wire Cooper Cup said straight out the horse's mouth Cooper Cup said he's special he's really special and he's gonna have a great year this year so how much do you factor that in a lot. I'm moving. He him said, up. "I think a lot of that stuff fits right with who L. Robinson is. I'm excited for him to be able to step into this place and be a part of this offense. I think it's going to be a great year for him." That was the quote. Came out today. Yeah. Um. I don't. I don't hate it. And I mean, I guess that he's going in a fair, fair spot of the draft. You know, he's going right around some of the other, you know, higher end wide receiver twos, guys like Judy and Gabe Davis and Chris Godwin. So like, it, it totally makes sense to me where he's going in drafts. But if he continues to climb, it's just it's hard for me to pull the trigger on a guy that hasn't been that successful in quite some time. But I guess we got to remove those biases and just you know look at the hey, difference. It was only between... one year. Only one year. He had a very good twenty twenty. He he. Did did, but I mean, he's he's had inconsistent seasons throughout his career. You know, like he had the monster. He had one good season in Jacksonville and three bad seasons. He had two good seasons in Chicago and two bad seasons. So I I, I don't know. We'll, we'll see with Allen Robinson. I think we agree the talent is there and the opportunity should be there. Like, is he going to be as good as as Robert Woods was with with you know Cooper Cup there? I mean, obviously Cooper Cup is going to command more targets than he has in in prior seasons. So yeah, no, I I think he'll. He'll probably be a little bit better than Robert Woods. I think he's a better wide receiver, personally. Mm -hmm. So I think he could definitely put up Robert Woods-esque numbers in that offense. And there's still there's going to be a lot of opportunity for Allen Robinson, especially with Cup coming off the season that he had. Maybe he's more of a focal point for defenses this year, even though he'll probably still cook everybody. But yeah, there, there's going to be a lot of opportunity and... Obviously, the quarterback play is very good, and the team situation and the offensive environment is very good. So I'm in on Allen Robinson personally. I think that he could absolutely crush his wide receiver 22 ADP, and I think that this is a team that can definitely support two wide receiver ones in fantasy, and I think that's definitely in the range is Cup and A-Rob both finishing as top 12 wide receivers. All right. I mean, I, I like to hear that. And uh, we'll keep an eye on this. Keep an eye on Instagram. See if we see any pictures of Allen Robinson and Stafford sharing meals together. That would be a huge indicator uh, for his 2022 <laughs> season. Um <laughs> And that is going to be it for episode 220 of the DFS Dose podcast. Make sure you follow us on Twitter at the DFS Dose, as well as our personal Twitters. I'm at Ben Halver. Joey's at Joey Carrion DFS. If you guys want to connect with us and stay up to date with what's going on with the podcast, you can join our inner circle. The link to do so is via our free Discord channel. You can find that in the show notes to the podcast. To everybody listening out there, we appreciate you. We value you. Until next time, let's stay accountable and keep it authentic.